Thank you, Brother Tom. I want to encourage you to take your Bibles now and open them to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 8. There are outlines out there. If you haven't had one, they're back on that back desk. If, if anybody needs one, Tom, would you raise your hand if you need one, and Tom will get you one. There will not be the outline on the, the, the screen today, but you do have that outline there to follow along. As, we, as you're turning there, I've got a quick little quiz for you. One, little, one question quiz, and here it is. Who was the first to carry the gospel in the New Testament? Who was the first in the New Testament to carry the gospel? Shepherds. Shepherds. Good answer. That's a good answer. Not the answer. Sandra, she, she won't say anything because she knows I do tricky questions. Mary, Mary thank you. <laughs> that was the trick. Mar Mary carried the gospel. Jesus. She so she was the first to carry the gospel. But Linda, what I'm preaching on, you got it right. The shepherds were actually the first one to vocally go out after seeing the gospel to go out and carry it to, to others. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, uh, What we see in the first Christmas, we see still today. Very similar today of what was going on then. Certainly, we, they didn't have cars and transportation, all the stuff we have. But what people do, uh, what they did during that first Christmas is similar to what people are doing today around this Christmas. The first Christmas was a exciting time. This, you know, Christmas for us is usually an exciting time. It's an exciting season. The first Christmas had a bunch of surprises. Uh, Christmas is about surprises, right? And uh, uh, they're about surprise gifts, surprise proposals. Anybody, anybody uh, was proposed to on Christmas, for Christmas? You were proposed to for on Christmas? Sandra, you better raise your hand. I was going to get upset. I proposed to Sandra on Christmas for, on, in 84. So she was surprised by it. I was shocked that she was surprised. I thought she knew it was coming, but she said she was surprised. But you got surprises, gifts, proposals, surprise visits. How many of you were, had a surprise visit or were a surprise visitor for Christmas? Ever happened? Our first Christmas, we were out of town. Sandra was told she had to work. We were in Memphis, Tennessee. Somebody at the last moment said they would work for her. Our family thought we weren't going to be there. It was going to be the first Christmas away from our family. We, we drove through the night. It was snowing. Remember that? It was snowing as we were driving home on that Christmas Eve and surprised our family. They were so excited. Uh, so there were a lot of surprises during Christmas. Christmas is a time of surprises. And speaking of surprises, how many of you like surprises? Raise your hand if you like to be surprised. How many of you uh, can keep a surprise? <laughs> Raise your hand if you can keep a surprise. I know some people, their idea of keeping a surprise is, is telling one person at a time. <laughs> but uh, I like surprises. You know, speaking of surprises, I'm, I'm old school, 
And I like being surprised about the gender of the baby. Not surprised in that there's multiple genders other than two, but <laughs> I like being surprised when the baby's born and finding out what it is other than nowadays, you know, well in advance and you have the surprise of the gender reveal party or, or whatnot like that. But I, I'm old school. I like being surprised. And when we had ours, you could... We weren't, we're not so old that you couldn't know. We could know. And uh, we had ultrasounds, but we didn't want to know. And we wanted to be surprised. We were surprised with the twins. Not, we did find out before <laughs> we were going to have twins, but we didn't know what they were going to be. And uh, then we were surprised with our younger son. We, we didn't find out in advance. I, I really liked that surprise of that. And uh, matter of fact, we're going to have a little our 10th grandchild, a grandson, good Lord willing, born uh, on this Tuesday. So please keep that in your prayers. I'm expecting them to walk to the door any moment. They're on their way. But uh, Andrew and Logan, and uh, she has to have a C-section, and so that one's going to come on, on Tuesday. And so, uh, again, it's a great time for surprises. You know, the, the, the first Christmas, again, is, it was no different than than that as far as surprises come. Filled with surprises. Think about this. A teenage girl to be the mother of God in flesh. Emmanuel. To be the mother of, a, of the Son of God. Can you imagine picking a 13, 14 year old teenage girl today to be the mother of Jesus? Man, they can't even keep the rooms clean. <laughs> But God picked, of course it was different back then, but God Mary's probably around 13 or 14 years old. You did, did you not know that? Yeah. What a surprise. Mary was surprised with the announcement that she was going to be the mother. And what about this one? God chose a simple carpenter to be the borrowed dad of Jesus. Think about that. Who would have thought that God, you know, God was going to send His Son into the world, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, and his dad was going. To, his borrowed dad was going to be a simple carpenter. Surprise! Guess who was surprised by that? Joseph was surprised. I think of Gomer. Surprise! 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 <laughs> and uh, uh, what about this? Where would he be born? Not so much the city, because the, the the town, because that was prophesied. It was going to be in in, in Bethlehem, but the condition. When he was born, what was he placed? Don't say the M word. Say what it was. The feeding trough. An animal feeding trough. That's where he was placed. We said, well, in a stable. Well, we don't know. It doesn't say. But we know wherever he was born, there was a, there was a manger in there. And, uh, and that's where he was placed because he didn't have a, a proper place to be, to be born. And here's another surprise. The only ones who really we know of that actually came seeking him, we do know that others were, we found a couple looking for them. Uh, Simeon, by the way, was kind of looking for him. And Anna, also in the temple looking. But other than that, the only ones that really came seeking him on their own through revelation of a star were the what? The wise men. Revelation of the star. We're going to get the shepherds in just a minute. But the wise men from the what? East came seeking him. 
And here's another surprise. When God decided to make it known to people on earth that His Son was born, who did He send the heavenly messengers to? Was it to the king in the palace? No. Was it to the high priest in the temple? No. Surprise! It was to the shepherds on the hillside. The shepherds on the hillside. And all these surprises and everything, the things, people that God chose to be involved and informed. This tells us something about God, doesn't it? Something very important. Something very wonderful. Something very encouraging. And it's this. As the old song says, you don't have to be a star, baby, <laughs> to be in God's show. Amen? Were these stars that God chose to be in His show? And what He was doing? No, they were not. God chose the most unlikely ones to be a part of what He was, was doing. And that is wonderful to know and encouraging to know. And I'm so thankful, so thankful that, that we can know that. So let's look over here in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 20. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, say it, of great joy that will be to all people. For there is born to you Speaking expressly to who? The shepherds. There is born to you. Yes, to the world, but also to you. This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ. That is the Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah. Messiah. Christ, the anointed one, the promised one. Christ the Lord. There was only one Messiah that was promised. And that was the news that He, the one who had been promised, the one you had been waiting for, has been born. Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. That's not the surprise, because that's what they did with babies. Here's the surprise. Lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, let's say it together, glory to God in the highest and on earth... That's one translation. Who has another translation? Read that. Peace among people who please God, which is, Pastor Paul talked about that. That is the more accurate, accurate translation based on the earlier manuscripts. 
And so it was, when the angels had gone away into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord, which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I think they said that with amazement. The Lord made this known to us. Of all people, He made it known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen Him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which are told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The title of the message this morning is, What Have You Done With the Good News of Great Joy for All People? What have you done? Not what did they do, but what have you done? We're going to talk about what they've done, but the whole point is to get to, around to what have you done with it. That's the whole point of it. What have you done with the good news of great joy for all people? And the question is, have you, like the shepherds, joyfully heard the good news? Have you joyfully heard the good news? Now, when you hear good news and you really believe it's good news, you are what? You're happy about it. You have, there's joy about it. You know, I'm hoping that we hear on Tuesday, uh, there's a healthy baby boy. Uh, has been born. And that that'll be joyful, right? It'll be, it's good news. You can hear news. There's a lot of news going on, but it doesn't make you happy, does it? It doesn't bring joy to your heart, does it? But this news that the shepherds heard from the angels, it was good news of great joy. And so the question is, have you like the shepherds joyfully heard the good news? I mean, there are people, they hear the gospel. I share the gospel with them. It's kind of like it's boring to them. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, you, you don't need to repeat that. I've heard that story before. Right? Is the gospel joyful news to you? Have you joyfully heard it? I remember hearing it growing up in church. My pastor, Rester Salter, uh, preached the gospel every Sunday. The gospel was going to be in... Some way he was going to make his way back to the gospel every Sunday when he, when he preached. Went in one ear and went out the next year, but, but I thought I was a Christian. Have you joyfully heard the good news? Now here's the point, and this is in your notes. Good news isn't good until you know the... There you go, until you know the bad. Good news isn't good until you know the bad. I got a question for you. Uh, when it comes to good news, bad news scenario, right? Which do you want to hear first? When somebody comes to you and says, Austin, I've got, uh, I've got good news and bad news. What do you want first? What are you going to choose first? Want to hear the good news first? What about you? Anybody else? What do you like to hear first? You want to hear the bad news. It's just your personality. What do you want to hear first? Good news, bad news. 
And uh, I don't know if uh, Paul, uh, I guess he's not watching because there's no, I get, well, I get, he might be watching. There it is. He might be watching live online right now. If you are, uh, Pastor Paul, good to see you. Glad you're watching. I know he'll watch it later just to check up on me, see if I spread any heresy or not. But uh, Pastor Paul, I got some good news for you. There's good news and bad news. The good news is we as a church have voted to send you expenses paid to Israel. That's the good news. The bad news, well, the bad news is this. It's a one-way ticket, and there are a lot of terrorist attacks going on right now. <laughs> hey, Pastor Paul, got some good news for you. Bad news, too. Good news is, you know that person that's been visiting the church all the time lately? They said you've become one of their top two preachers ever. You're one of the top, that's the good news. Well, what's the bad news? Well, the bad news is their other top preacher is Joel Osteen. That's the bad news. You see how the good news is diminished by the what? You got the good news, but then the bad news kind of takes away the what? The joy, the excitement, the good news. It's diminished. It's diminished. Well, when it comes to the gospel, it's the reverse. The bad news comes first. But the good news that comes after the bad news completely wipes away the gloom and despair of the what? Of the bad news. I want to give you another example. If I were to say to you, I've got great news for all of you. This is wonderful news. There is now a 100% cure for COVID-19 all strands. All future strands. Isn't that good news? You wouldn't have, I wouldn't have to share bad news about COVID. You already know it, right? Now, that would be wonderful good news except for the government who wants to do what? Control our, use it to control our lives. But for everybody else, it would be what? Good news. Glorious news. Wonderful news. Now, if I came to you and said, now, I've got great news for you. A great, they found the cure. They found the cure for the hyperlupia disease. The hyperlupia disease. Are you going to be excited about that? No. Why? You don't know what it is. And you don't know whether you have it or not, or who has it or whatever. But when I explained to you what the hyperlupia disease was, is it, you know, it's based on that word, Greek word hyper, which means what? What now? Hyper, overactive, abundant, hyper, and lupia. When I explain to you what lupia was, lupia, hyper craziness disease where people believing that men can be women and women can be man and, and you can elect an old senile guy to run the country and things go well. All this hyperlupianess that's going on in the country, they found a cure for it. Wouldn't you then vote for it be excited? Then we're going to wake up and all this craziness, all this crazy nonsense we're seeing in the world today would come to an end. Wouldn't that be awesome? So I explained to you the bad news, then you would understand and appreciate the good news. Oh, that'd be an awesome cure. Well, the thing is, when we tell people, Jesus loves you, is that joyous, great news for them? Not for most people, you know why? 
Because they, well, yeah, he's God. He's supposed to love me. I'm lovable. I've never killed anybody. I'm a pretty good person. And so it's not that great of a news. It's, you see, the, the good news is not good until you know the bad. What's the bad news? Here's the bad news. You are a great sinner in the hands of a holy, angry God, and the wrath of God is abiding over you. Right now, the wrath of God can fall at any moment over you, and it's not going to be good. That's the bad news. But here comes the good news. God demonstrated His love for you that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Now what does that good news do now? It completely overrides what? The gloom and despair and the hopelessness of, a, of the bad news. So I'm going to ask you, have you joyfully heard the good news? To joyfully hear the good news, you have had to what? Understood the horrible bad news. That you're a sinner in the hands of an angry God and that you deserve a hot place in hell. And if God gave you right now what you deserve, that's what you'd be for eternity. That's where you would be. You've got to understand that. And then when you understand that, then you, want to, then you appreciate and joyfully hear the good news. But, yet, but even though that's the case, and God hates sin, and God will judge sin, but that God loved you in spite of your sin so much that He sent His perfect sinless Son to this earth to come to this sinful fallen earth to clothe himself in the flesh of a little baby conceived in the womb of Mary, to be born, placed in a manger, live a, a humble, simple life, a perfect, sinless, righteous, holy life, only to have people like you and me spit on him, mock him, beat him, whip him, scourge him, and nail him to a tree and all the while cursing him and mocking him. As God the Father poured out His wrath on God the Son to pay the penalty of sin that must be paid in order that we could be forgiven and go free. Now how does that news come? It's joyful news, isn't it? That God would love us that much to do that for us. So when I ask you, have you, like the shepherds, joyfully heard the good news? Is it really joyful to you? Has it made that difference in your life? I'm going to ask you a question. Is God significant to you? That's in your notes. Is God? See, the joy of the news depends on the significance of the news, right? What's significant to you? Now, if somebody says, did you hear about over in Des Moines, Iowa, there was a healthy baby born. Born. How joyful am I going to be about that? Well, I'm going to be happy. I don't want there ever be a, 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 a baby die at birth or stillborn or, or sick anyway. Nobody wants to hear that, so I'm, I'm glad about that. But it's more significant that I, that I hear Tuesday that a, a healthy baby by the name of Wyatt Lawrenson is born. Why? That's more significant to me. That's, that's more closer to home to me. That's, that's, that's my grandson. So 
The significant of the news determines what? The joy. The significance of the joyful news determines the, uh, I mean, the, the amount of the joyful news determined, is determined by the significance of it. And so the question is, is God significant to you? What is most significant to you right now in your life? What's been most significant to you in these last days and weeks? What's been most consuming to you and consuming in your mind and your thoughts? It's what, who God is and what God is doing. Is that of the most significance to you? You know, it says here, you know, think about these shepherds. When Mary and Joseph came down to Bethlehem, time came for her to, to give birth and she wrapped her babe in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger. And it says, now, now there were in that same country You know, God was at work in a mighty way there at that place at that time. And nobody really knew. You think the shepherds on the hillside were thinking something really earth-shattering. God's really working. Something's very significant going on right now. You think they knew that? It says, in the same country, shepherds. I'm sure they looked toward the little town of Bethlehem. They were up there on the hillside watching the sheep. But they looked down on that little, town, little but busy town of Bethlehem packed with people. Why? Because a census was being taken. People had to go back to their hometowns to be registered in order for Caesar to tax people. All the excitement was up there on the hillside with the sheep or down there in the, in the town of Bethlehem. That's where the excitement was, right? All the action was down there in the town. And they were up there or out there in the fields missing out on all the, the joyous reunions of people coming home to visit family because they had to because of the census and everything. But they're all having a good time. Little did they know that God was doing something beyond their wildest imagination. And that God was about to invite them in on it. You know, what, what God was doing was the most wonderful, marvelous, life-changing, world-changing event the world has ever known to that time. And most missed it. Why? Because what God was doing was not that significant to them. It was more what was going on in their life at the moment. That was what was of most significance to them. What was significant at that time? Caesar! Rome! That was earth-shaking. We have to go back and have a census because Caesar wants to tax us all. He wants to tax the world. Rome was uh, vast and vicious, their kingdom. They were in, Caesar was large and in charge. All the world was talking about Caesar and Rome and what they were doing. 
Right? That's what mattered then. I got a question for you today. Who is Caesar today? But a piece of lint on the page of history compared to what was going on that day. Who was Caesar? Who was what was Rome? Everybody thought that was it. That's what's most significant. But it was not. What was the most significant? What God was doing regardless of what anybody else saw. Was it not? And is it not today? Who was Caesar but an errand boy? But an errand boy for Almighty God to get Joseph and Mary from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. What is God? Is what God's doing? Is that is that most significant to you in your life? Does that consume your 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 heart, your thoughts? I want to know what God is doing. I want God to use me. I want to be in on what God is doing. I want to be a part of it. What God is doing is more important than what what the President of the United States is doing. The laws that our Congress is is passing. I'm not saying we shouldn't care about that. We should. But we should be, our God is large and in charge. He's the only one that is. I'm going to ask you, is is God significant to you? What? If He is, then what He says will be significant to you. What He says about you will be most significant to you. I know a lot of people who claim to be Christian, the most significant to them is not what God says about them, it's what the culture says about them. That's why they're afraid to make any kind of biblical stance about any biblical issue in the public because they don't want to lose popularity. They don't want to lose their job. What the world thinks about them is most significant. But my question is to you, is God significant to you? Would you rather displease the world as long as you please God or were you willing to displease God in order to please the world? Who's most significant to you? Well, the, uh, the significance of the news matters when it comes to the, the, the joy of the news. It said here that it's great joy for all people. Do all people see it as great joy? When you, how many times have you shared the gospel with somebody and they didn't want to hear it? <laughs> many, many times. Many, many times. It wasn't great joy to them. But it, it could be, it should be, but it's just God's not significant to them. <clears throat> but when God gets a hold of their heart, is God significant to you? You know, why, why do we often miss out on what God's doing? Don't, don't we? Don't we, even as Christians sometimes, get so busy with the cares of life, as Jesus told the parable, we get so involved with everything that, that the, the most important thing, the things of God, are neglected or overlooked. It's not like we purposely do it. We just let things crowd in. Why do we often miss out on what God is doing? It's because we're too busy with trivial things. Trivial things. Now, Simon didn't miss out, did he? Simon was looking for the, the promised one, wasn't he? And when Mary and Joseph came in, to the temple with, with uh, uh, Jesus, he saw him right away. Why? Because he was looking for what God 
was doing. Why do we miss it? We're not looking for it. We're looking for this or looking for that. Anna, she saw it. The wise men, they saw the star. God spoke to them. You know, God has a way of getting our attention, doesn't He? He does. That's what we learned from the wise men. Not preaching on that, but they were looking to the stars and God spoke to them through that, got their attention. God has a way of getting our attention. And they, they responded. You know, you think back at that time. Again, I'll tell you, it's just it's the same way it is then as it is today. What were the merchants doing in Bethlehem? The merchants, they were, they were, uh, they were busy selling their goods. Why? You've got to capitalize on this time, right? The census, people were coming in. There were a lot more people here than usual. So you've got to capitalize on this time, right? Uh, to, to make your business. What, what do they call the certain Friday? It's called Black Friday. Why? Because if they do a lot of selling during this time, they finally what? Get in the black. The merchants were having a Black Friday sale. <laughs> they were taking advantage of the special occasion. What about the, uh, you know it says innkeeper here. That gives you a misconception of what was really going on. It just meant uh, um, uh, the uh, hostess. An inn, uh, uh, the inn could be somebody who had an, uh, an open room in their house, a guest room. It meant guest room. Somebody who had a guest room. There are a lot of people that had guest rooms for visitors or for family or whatever. Kind of like, we think it's a new thing, the Air, Air, Air A and B, or whatever you call it. Yeah, Airbnb or whatever. That, that's not new. That's what, they, that's what they had back in the day. It wasn't like he had this hotel, the innkeeper came out, we see in the stories, it wasn't like, I promise you it wasn't like that. But the ones who, the, the people who had the guest rooms, what were they? They were busy what? Feeding and, and, and caring for their, for their guest from out of town. What were the travelers doing? They were busy what? Eating and fellowshipping and visiting and catching up and having a good time with family and friends they hadn't seen in a, in a long time. Does this sound familiar? Sounds, sounds like Christmas today. They missed out on what God was doing because God was really not that significant to them. And what's really sad is when the, when the, when the wise men eventually made it about a year and a half later and they came looking for this one born king of the Jews, nobody even had a clue about it. They went to the king. They didn't have king. Of course, we know he, he wasn't happy about it. He felt threatened about it. So they went to, he wanted to find out in order to kill all the babies around that age. But remember the king sent messengers to the, uh, the, law keep, the lawyers, the ones who knew the law, the scribes, to find out where this king should be born. And they, they told him, but did the scribes, did they go looking for Jesus? When they, oh, he's born, let's go. Nobody cared. They talked about God. They taught about God. They went to the temple when they should. But yet, when... The Messiah, did they, was it significant? No, it was not. Is God significant to you? Well, if He is, then you've joyfully heard the good news with great joy. 
with great joy. So number two, so have you like the shepherds? Number two, joyfully believed the good news. Have you joyfully believed the good news? Now, how do we know they believed it with joy? Look at verses 15 and 16. It says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, You think we ought to go check that out down there? What they're talking about? Why don't you go, I'm, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to take a nap. No, here's what they said. Let us go tomorrow after we get some sleep. Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord, Yahweh, has made known to us. They were so excited that God had made it known to them. They were overjoyed with it. And it said they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger, just like it was told them. And then we see later they, about their glorifying and praising God. There was, how, how do we know they joyfully believed the good news before they actually saw it? How do we know? Because, how do we, because of what they did. <laughs> That's how we know. We know they joyfully believed the good news by what they did about it. I've got this in your notes. Believing without doing is pretending. Believing without doing is pretending. Sad to say, today, sitting in church chairs and church pews, there are a lot of people who are pretending. They're pretending. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I love God. Oh yeah, that's great news. That's good news. All the, they're, they're pretending. They, they're maybe not doing it on purpose. They might not know. <laughs> I'm going to come in. I'm going to sit down in this church and I'm going to pull one over on all my church members and my pastors and I can pretend that I'm a Christian and I'm excited about this. But They're not doing that like that. I'm, there might be a few people who, who, who do it that reason because maybe they're a businessman and they want to make business opportunities and business connections through church. But most people are pretending, not, not so much on purpose, but that's the thing to do. Yeah, you're supposed to talk about on Christmas, especially uh, away and sing songs like Away in a Manger and be happy, cry. Oh, yeah, Christ is born, the Savior is born. Yeah, but it's pretending they're really not overjoyed about it. It doesn't really impact their lives. They're pretending. You know how I know? I pretended. I was, oh yes, a great pretender. Some of you know that reference. I was a great pretender. And I was, oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, great, praise the Lord. Yeah, I, I, again, I was just lost in the darkness, pretending. 
Believing without doing is pretending. See, I didn't have the doing part. I'd never repented of my sin. I was still... I knew right and wrong. I, there were some things I didn't do because I knew they were wrong, but I, I was still... I was in my sin. I, I, there were some things I would not give up doing. Some things I would not give up doing. I'd justify them. I would not repent of. But... Uh, I, I had not repented and understood I was a sinner and repented of my sin and joyfully put my... I always thought in the back of my mind, you know what, the preacher talking about really being sold out to God and I was always thinking. I never said God's a bad God and if I give my life to Him, God would mess it up. But that's basically what was going on in my mind. I'm thinking, no, I don't think I'd do that. If I really gave my life, if I give her my life to God, He might make me go somewhere I don't want to go. He might make me do something I don't want to do. He might make me stop doing some things I want to keep doing. Do you think there are a lot of people in church today that are like that, pretending? That's where I was. The reason I know about it because I was one. I hope it's not you. I hope you're not a great pretender. But that day, by God's grace, that He made known to me, I didn't make it known to myself, He made it known. He opened my eyes to see my sin and my need of the Savior. And that day that he did it, it changed my life forever. I remember when I joyfully heard the good news. Do you remember when you joyfully heard the good news? It was under a tent at night in Paul Paul, West Virginia. It was a tent revival. And my life was changed forever. And I did something about it. Not patting me on the back, it was just it's by God's grace that I was able to see, God's grace I was able to believe. God's grace I was able to do. They joyfully believed the good news. Later on it said, and they returned. Where did they return to? They returned back to their what? Their sheep. Their shepherding. Did their life change? Whatever answer you give would be correct because it's both yes and no. <laughs> Yeah, no, it didn't change. No, it, no, it didn't because they went back to being shepherds. But yes, it did. Yes, it did. They never looked at shepherding the same again. They never looked at each other the way they did. They never looked at the world the way they, they did before. Why? Because the Savior had come. The promised one had come. And God let them in on it. God sent heavenly messengers to them. To me. God said, can you believe this, guys? God sent His heavenly messengers to of all people to us. A bunch of knuckleheads. <laughs> A bunch of outcasts. The lowest on the totem pole. We weren't a star, but God put us in His show. Isn't that great? They, they were never the same. They joyfully believe the good news. Then lastly, you know what that is. What's that next word we're going to fill in? They shared it. They joyfully shared the good news. 17 through 20, we, we see that. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying that was told them concerning this child. So after seeing, they made it widely known. What does that mean? Basically, everybody they came in contact with, they would what? 
Tell, let me tell you what God showed me. Let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you what God did and what God is doing right now. Let me tell you, they were telling everybody, and the people what? They marveled. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, when you tell people, they're not necessarily going to marvel. But some of the people you tell, by the grace of God, God will open their eyes and they'll marvel at it. I mean, there's not a greater story in all the world than the gospel story, is there? Tell me a greater story than that. And it went said in verse 20, Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. They joyfully shared the good news. Now I'm closing with this. What do you have in common with the shepherds. This is going to so everybody focus on here. What do you have in common with the shepherds? Where the rubber meets the road. That's what it's all about. It's not just learning a Bible story. It's now it's about what? Application time. This is where, this is where uh, it comes to the action. What do you have in common with the shepherds? A, revelation. Do you have revelation in common with the shepherds? Not everybody, not, God didn't reveal that to everybody, did He? But He revealed it to them. Has God revealed to you the Savior and the need of the Savior in such a way that you joyfully heard the good news and you joyfully believed the good news and you're following God's commands about it? Do you have that in common with the shepherds? That God revealed to you who you were and who Jesus was. All right, what about the next one? Evelation. Elevation. Elevation. What do you mean elevation? What do we call those shepherds that God revealed the message of His Son being born to the... What's the word we put before shepherds? Lowly. What do we call them the lowly shepherds? Yeah, that's right. They were lowly. The religious leaders looked down on them because they were dirty. They weren't clean like the religious leaders. And here's the thing that we know about these, probably about these shepherds in Bethlehem. They possibly were tending the sheep that were going to be offered as sacrifices. And that's the ones that God sent to tell, you know, basically putting you out of a job because the Lamb of God has come. And you're going to soon be out of a job for sheep for that purpose. Because God's sending His sacrifice for sin. The once and for all sacrifice that won't have to be done again. But uh, they had a lowly occupation. They were low on the, the, the rung of the ladder, as to say. And there been, I've read about where there was a survey. I, I forgot to look at it again before I came. But uh, when people have been asked about the Christmas story, who do you identify with most in the Christmas story? You know what most people say? The shepherds. Why? 
Because most people are just what? Common, ever, common, ordinary people, right? But they were not so common, were they, when God came into their life? Did God elevate them? You better believe it. God elevated those lowly shepherds by, not because they deserved it, but just pure what? 100% grace of God. Do you think they deserved the message more than others? No, it's just God by His grace. Revelation, elevation. The Bible says that we're what? We're exalted to what? To the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You can't be any more exalted than that. Have you been exalted by the grace of God to be a child of God? Where you are now placed in the heavenlies. That means you're, we're, there, we're placed in the heavenlies, the scripture says. We're there already. <coughs> Even though we're living the rest of our life on this earth, but that's, that's our home. We're as good as there right now. We're placed in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Can you get any more exalted than that? Have you been there? Are you there? I'm there. By the grace of God, not being merit of mine. And see, can, uh, do you have this in common with the shepherds? Proclamation. What did they proclaim? What was their proclamation? <laughs> the Savior's been born. Christ is here. The Savior, the Messiah, the one promised to us for ages has come. He's here. They proclaimed the gospel, the good news of Christ. Do you have that in common with those shepherds? The pro your proclamation? Have you, are you proclaiming Christ? Have you proclaimed Christ? Will you proclaim Christ? Are you looking for ways to proclaim Christ? I wonder if they were just looking for any kind of way they could get into a conversation to tell them what, or they just butted in what right away. Ways that they could talk about what, what uh, God did for them. Do you think they, do you think after that initial excitement of that, they stopped telling the story? I think they told it to their grandchildren with their grandchildren on their knee. Maybe even their great grandchildren on their knee. They never stopped telling the story. And then lastly, jubilation. Do you have that in common with the shepherds? The jubilation. Do you have great joy over being a child of God through faith in Christ and what He's done for you? Is there anything in life that brings you more joy? I mean, you can have just terrible bad news hit you. And it saddens you and it breaks your heart. But even in the midst of that, do you have joy unspeakable, as the Bible says, and full of glory? It says, then the shepherds returned glorified and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Do you have jubilation over your salvation in common with these shepherds? Is there joy in, in our little uh, um, D group? Thank you. <laughs> our D group, we were talking about that with the Apostle Paul. Remember, he was preaching the gospel in Philippi. And there was this slave woman who was kind of falling behind. Oh, these are the, the prophets of the Most High God. And Paul was grieved because she knew that he, she was possessed by a demon. 
Eventually, he turned around and cast the demon out of her. Did everybody pat Paul and Silas on the back for that? No. Well, the, the slave owners got mad because that was their, they made a lot of money off of her. Now that, that's gone. That cash cow's gone. And so they attacked them. They had them beaten with rods and thrown into a Philippian dungeon cell. They were beaten with rods. I don't think they were given a meal. I don't, I don't think it mentioned they were given a meal before they were fashioned in the, fastened in the stocks. <laughs> but I'm sure they're hungry. They're beaten. They're tired. They're hurting. They're extremely uncomfortable. What are they doing in that dungeon cell? Praising God. Praising God. Singing hymns. Praying. And who heard? The prisoners heard. The jailer heard. Because when, when that first jailhouse rock came, not Elvis's, but the original one, when that one came and the doors flung open, the jailer ran in there and said, what must I do to have what you have? What must I do to be saved? People can understand when you have joy when everything's going well, right? When the sky's blue, you found the pot at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, they don't say. But when you're down and out and you still have joy... People notice that, don't they? What do you have that they don't have? Do you have that jubilation of your salvation regardless of, the, of your situation? Good tidings of great joy. I hope it's not pretending for you. I hope it's the real deal. And I hope as it is, it will be like the shepherds. And we'll go out and share it. We'll look of ways to tell people what God has done for us. And again, in our D groups, we're talking about that. And we're going to be going over again the three circles. I want to tell you the three circles. I, I, like, I, like, I, share, I do the three circles. I do sharing Jesus without fear. And I do the good person test. Those are the three main gospel presentations that I, that I, I, I use. And we're going to be talking about those, how you could do that. But I mean, there's such an opportunity with the three circles because everybody, things are really broken right now. Things are bad. And it's easy to start a, a, a conversation. about. You ever wonder why things are so broken? Why the world is so broken? That's a great question, isn't it? And then you can share with them and say, can I, has anybody ever shared that with you? Can I share what the Bible says about that? And you just share with them the three circles. It's a great way to share the gospel. So come and be a part of that and let's share the gospel. Again, this time of the year, people are more open to it than, than any other time of the year. So let's go out and be like the shepherds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that by your grace and mercy, we were just like those shepherds. We're not big, important uh, uh, people. We're not stars in this life. We're not movers and shakers. But your Lord, by your grace, you don't need that kind of people. You actually tell us in your word that you choose the low, the rejected, the despised. You choose the unwise to confound the wise. And God, I, that's what I'm so glad and so thankful that you revealed that to me and to each of us here today. And I pray that we as grateful, uh, grateful individuals that you've done that for, that we'd go out like the shepherds and share the glorious, wonderful news with others. And, we'll, and, uh, and use us, Lord, to make an eternal difference in the life of others, 
to, as we say over here, to expand your kingdom as we love you and we love others and you use us to expand your kingdom for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you to stand. We're going to close with this song. Once again, it's the song of the month. Come, all you unfaithful. When I first heard that, I thought, well, that's not the song. I thought it's come all you faithful, right? And we all call to be faithful, but at the same time we're called to be faithful. What are we? We're unfaithful. Do you think there have been times that I failed? Yeah. Are there times that you failed? But you know what? We can still come and ask God to help us to be more faithful. So we'll close with this song.